for the cross where the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for the remission of sin. Amen? Well, it is good to be in church on Sunday morning. Oh, good. There are five of us over here. Glad to be in church. Let's try it again. It's good to be in church on Sunday morning. That's so much better, so much better. Thank you, Brother Gip, for the Sunday school. That was a blessing and a challenge. And Brother Robinson for last night, uh, that, was, that was really good. The food was good. The fellowship was good. The preaching was good. It was just all good. And we are excited about the next couple of days and seeing what the Lord has for us in store. And we are glad to be here. We're always glad to be here. And as you notice, we're down one. We're hopeless. <laughs> Hope is gone. She, uh, she spent uh, about six weeks with us at the beginning of summer and uh, went to Alaska with us and all over the place. And, and then she went back and she's working full time uh, trying to save up money for her next year at Bible College. And then in a, just a couple of months, well, just a matter of weeks, then we'll be Davidless as well. He's going to leave us, and he's going to go off to school, and, and, uh, and then it'll be just me and Liz. I told her she can't go. I mean, she's, she's got to stay. Somebody's got to stay, and so she's going to stay. And people keep asking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when the kids are gone? What are you going to do? And, and uh, I don't know. It's going to be rough. But I think what we'll do is eat at better restaurants and stay in nicer hotels. That's what we'll do. <laughs> That's pretty much what we're going to do. Amen. And I figure I can spend the same amount of money and get twice as much for it. Amen. When there's two of us instead of four. Isn't the Lord good? Amen. Amen. And then I might let Liz go and then just see what I can do. You just never know. No. <laughs> just think how, how nice of places I could go. Amen. No, no, no that, that wouldn't be right. But it, it is good to be with you this morning. We've been looking forward to it. It's good to have Brother Ryan Willis and his wife with us. He pastors Victory Baptist Church in Fresno, California. Uh, one of our favorite places to go, really. Honestly, we don't, we don't say that about every place. Some places we don't like to go. But yeah, we enjoy uh, being out there in Fresno with Brother Willis and just a fine family and doing a fine job out there and good to have them with us for the next couple of days. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Philippians chapter three. And when you find that, would you stand with me as we read the word of God? Philippians chapter number three. Verse number one says this. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Look at the first sentence in that verse one more time. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the beautiful day you've given to us and for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, thank you for the, the good time this morning in the Sunday school hour and the choir song and the special music and the congregational singing. And uh, Lord, it has been good to be in your house already today and we're thankful for it. And we ask now that again, you would, you would use your word to do the work that needs to be done in our hearts. Lord, I don't know everybody in this room. There's no way that I could. I don't know who's saved, who's lost, who's burdened, who has needs. I, I, I don't know any of that. But God, you know all of it. And I pray today you'd meet each and every need. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
here in, in this little book of Philippians, I, I've preached out of this book here many times, and it's a, it's a wonderful little book. There's only four chapters in the whole book. And there are several themes that run throughout. Uh, there's, there's the theme of looking ahead uh, to what God has prepared for us. And as Brother Gitt mentioned this morning, it's in this little book that you find out about that brand new body that we're looking forward to in chapter three. That's exciting stuff, is it not? We have much to look forward to as born again children of God. But you'll also notice in this, in this little book that the Apostle Paul may well have been the first Baptist preacher. May have been. Look at, uh, you, you see there's four chapters. So when you get to chapter three, you're halfway through. This is halfway through the book. He's still got as much to say as he's already said. And look how he starts chapter three. Finally. That is a time-honored tradition, amen? Think, finally, that means the preacher is almost through. Oh, no, no, he's only halfway. He's still got just as much to say as he did at the beginning. So he says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. That you find all through this little book as well. You find it in every chapter. In chapter 1, verse number 18, it says, rejoice that the gospel is preached. Chapter 1, verse 26, their rejoicing may be more abundant when Paul comes. Chapter 2, verse 16, rejoice in the day of Christ. Chapter 2, verse 17, I will rejoice with you all. Chapter 2, verse 18, you will rejoice with me. Chapter 2, verse 28, when they see Epaphroditus, they will rejoice. Chapter 3, verse number 1, rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 4, verse number 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice! It's all the way through from the beginning to the end. And what makes that especially interesting is the fact that the guy who's physically writing down the words is incarcerated. He's, he's being held in Rome, not a place he wanted to be at this point. As a matter of fact, in this little book, he says, I want to come see you. I want to do this. I don't know if I can do it. I'm stuck here. I'm imprisoned here in Rome. So it's written physically by the Apostle Paul, who's sitting in prison in Rome, and he's writing to the church at Philippi, a church that is under the auspices of the Roman Empire, when Nero is the emperor, and he is on the war path against Christians, if you will. He's made them public enemy number one, and he is, he is throwing them in the Colosseum. He is putting them on, on posts and covering them in pitch and tar and lighting them on fire and lighting the streets of Rome at night. It's not, a, it's not an easy time to be a Christian. So well, it's hard now too. Somebody unliked me on Facebook. <laughs> Honestly, that's the best thing that ever happened to you, amen? <laughs> One less piece of garbage you have to look at every day on Facebook, amen? It's to your benefit, trust me. No, we, we don't face anything compared to what these people are facing. We, we face some pushback. Is it as easy as it once was? No. Is it as socially acceptable as it once was to be a Christian and stand for the Lord Jesus Christ? No, it's not. But we don't face anything compared to what these folks are facing, and God says to them over and over and over and over, rejoice. I believe God would say the same thing to us. As a matter of fact, I believe he did. He did. Because when God inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words down and send them to the church at Philippi, this is not just a thank you note from Paul to the church at Philippi. God also chose to preserve this. Amen? So this is not just to the church at Philippi. 
This is to us as well, or God would not have preserved it. It wouldn't be there. It would just be some historical thing that we would look at and think, how nice is that? But this is the words of God, the word of God, not only to them, but to me and to you. And I believe God would say to the church in Meridian, Idaho, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You see, we spend too much time focused on the stuff that makes us not rejoice which is most of the stuff around us, <laughs> just to be perfectly honest. You watch the news and you find out all the bad stuff that's going to happen and all the bad stuff that has happened and all the bad stuff that might happen if the next bad thing does happen or doesn't happen, doesn't really matter. There'll be some more bad stuff tomorrow and it sucks the joy right out of your life. And then you open up the Bible and it says, rejoice in the Lord. And what you're thinking is, if you knew what I know, you wouldn't say that. Do you think God doesn't know? Do you think he didn't know the conditions that these people were living under and the conditions that you're living under and the circumstances in your life? Most certainly he does. And yet he says, rejoice in the Lord. But look at what it says. It doesn't just say rejoice. Don't rejoice that, that there's a crazy emperor or president or whatever you got. emperor in this case and, and, and or don't rejoice the bad you know you know how it is you, you slam your finger in the car door and you say oh praise the Lord <laughs> so what you're supposed to say but you don't mean that you don't mean that you are not sincere you don't mean that all you've done is train yourself not to say the things you really wanted to say when you slammed your finger in the car door because you don't want to be a bad testimony. So you trained yourself to say, oh, praise the Lord. But you don't mean that. And, and you don't rejoice that you slammed your finger in the car door. You're crazy if you rejoice that you slammed your finger in the car door. No, but even when you slam your finger in the car door, you can rejoice in the Lord. You see, if your rejoicing is based on your circumstances, you're going to have a whole lot of days you can't rejoice. If your rejoicing is based on your location, there will be a lot of days you can't rejoice. If your rejoicing is based on the people around you, don't look at anybody, look straight ahead. <laughs> there, will, there will be a lot of days <laughs> where rejoicing is not only hard, it's nigh unto impossible. So what do you do? Well, I don't want to rejoice in this circumstance, in this place, in this thing, in this person, in this relationship. God didn't tell you to do that. He says rejoice in the Lord. If our rejoicing is in the Lord, then we have much to rejoice in every single day of our lives. Listen, as God's people, we have much to rejoice over. If anybody has a reason to rejoice in this world, it is us. We are the ones who have a legitimate reason for rejoicing, and that's what he's talking about here. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. The persecution is something else. The, the difficult circumstances are something else. The hardships of prison, something else. You can rejoice in the Lord. You say, well, I don't have much to rejoice over. You can rejoice in the security of your redemption. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you know what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 20? This is what Jesus said. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. If not another decent thing happens in all your life, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you can rejoice that your name is written in heaven. 
I was talking to Brother DeMichael this morning. He said, the worst possible thing you can be in our world right now is a lost conservative. Because you got no hope. You got nothing. You got, I, I mean, it's bad. It's getting worse. The whole thing is going down the toilet. I'm smiling at you because it's true, amen? Absolutely true. Cheer up, cheer up. It's going down the toilet. It really is. Yeah. You know, oh, the next election will fix it. Oh, whoa, boy. That's going to be a party, isn't it? Just waiting to see how that all shakes out. That's going to be exciting. But it ain't going to fix anything. Whole thing's going down the toilet. Amen. Praise God. If you're rejoicing is who's in the White House and who, what party's in power. And thank God for the recent Supreme Court decisions. They accidentally stumbled on some right stuff. Been a long time since they've done that, but they've accidentally stumbled on some right stuff in the last year or so. Thank God for that. But if that's where your hope is, you got no hope. Because you know as well as I do what they've said today, they can turn around tomorrow. That's what they've done over the, the past decades and years. And, and just because it goes your way today doesn't mean it won't go against you tomorrow. You better have hope more than just this world. Otherwise, you don't have a reason to rejoice. Listen, no matter how bad it gets, I can rejoice today because my name is written in heaven. I'm saved. I know I'm saved. And not only am I saved, I am kept by the same power that saved me. So, well, I'm saved, but I just don't know if I can hold on and hang on and make it to the end. I'm glad I don't have to. You see... If you, could, if you could do enough good things to, to stay saved. You see, there are, there are a lot of dear folks who believe that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone, but then they have this weird idea that somehow they have, to, they have to do enough nice things to stay saved or not do enough bad things. If you could do enough good things to stay saved, you could do enough good things to get saved. And if you can do enough good things to get saved, Jesus didn't have to die. But I'm here to tell you this morning, he did have to die. Because you can't do anything to get yourself to heaven. You can't do anything to alleviate the cost of one sin in your life. It's the same power that saved us, that keeps us, and that is much to rejoice over. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice. If you have no other reason to rejoice, you can rejoice in that, in the security of your redemption. But secondly, you can rejoice in spite of temptation and tribulation. In James chapter 1, verse number 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Brother Robinson talked about it last night in men's prayer meeting. He said, well, uh, you mean I, I rejoice when I'm tempted? No, you rejoice because of what that means is God's about to do something in your life. Really. You see, when temptation comes and when difficulties come, you can rejoice in the middle of it because the very next verse, verse 3 in James chapter 1, tells us that the trying of your faith worketh patience. You see, when, when temptation comes your way, yes, you, you flee from temptation, you beg God to help you in the midst of it all, yes, all of that's true, all of that's good. But you need to remember, it came and God is going to use it in your life. He's going to use it to teach you something, maybe something you didn't even know you needed 
Patience. Hmm. How many of you could use a little patience? And the rest of you are lying. Uh-huh. We could all use a little more patience, could we not? And you know what you'll find if you, if you check it out in Scripture? God wants you to have patience. Really? He does. And when temptation comes, remember that the trying of your faith worketh patience. It teaches you things about yourself and it teaches you things about God that will help you on down the line in your walk with Christ. Here's the third thing. You can rejoice in the Lord when suffering comes for the sake of Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. It says, when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice, Jesus said, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. He said, when, when they persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. You see, the Bible does talk about Facebook even back then. Really, it's, it's amazing how, how, how the devil has used that thing to destroy and damage probably more churches than anything over the last 10 years. Really, it, it's become this, this playground for disgruntled lost people who grew up in church. Oh, did I just accidentally say that? Yes. Yeah, disgruntled lost people who grew up in church. And now they're telling everybody how the worst thing that ever happened to them was there was a group of people that loved them and taught them Bible verses and songs in Sunday school and it's damaged their life and, and ruined everything they've ever come close to and now they have, you know, they're just wounded, deeply wounded. That's a pathetic mess. It really is. But can, can I just tell you, that's not new. Jesus said there will be those who persecute you. Those who say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So they'll say bad things about you that they just make up out of thin air just because they don't like me, Jesus said. And that's really what it comes down to. Just because they have a problem with the God of the universe, they take it out on those around them. He said when that happens, rejoice. Not just rejoice, but rejoice and be exceeding glad not just happy not just satisfied exceeding glad why because great is your reward in heaven oh aren't you glad that there's a better reward place coming than this one have you ever gotten any rewards in this life you know you know when you were in high school you know you were like the most improved on the on the badminton team or whatever you know you, you finally, you know, finally made it and, and they let you get on the, the third string of whatever team it was and then they give you a little plaque commemorating the fact that you made it. You got on there and there you are and you put that up on the, on the mantle. Maybe, maybe yours was really great, you know. Maybe you, were the, maybe you were the star player in something and you were the, you know, the champ of the whole sport and you got a great big old trophy or you were on the winning team and you won the whole conference thing and a great big old trophy and you put it up there. Where is it now? Hmm, where is it now? Well, I would dare say it's not up on the mantle anymore if you're grown up. It's not up on the mantle anymore. I mean, the little pictures your kids have drawn, that's up there now instead of that kind of junk. 
kids and grandkids, you know, all of a sudden your trophy's not so important anymore because, you know, Charlie drew a stick man and there he is up on there. <laughs> and he doesn't really care about your trophy. <laughs> and so it comes off the mantle and it goes in a box and it goes in the attic or it goes in the garage and then it gets broken because it was plastic anyway and it gets broken. And then later on when you die, somebody's got to clean out your junk. And they're going to come across that old broken trophy. And you know what's going to happen to it then? It won't even go to Goodwill because it's broken. <laughs> they'll pitch it in the trash. That's what they'll do. Does that just hurt your heart way down deep? That's what rewards here do. Oh, I got an award for this and an award for that. Listen, it's just a matter of time. Nobody's even going to care. But rewards that you get in heaven. Now that's serious business. Because that's not just some plastic thing that gets set up for a little while and then thrown in a box someplace. No, no, that's, that's rewards that's going to last for eternity and have eternal consequence. And there might be some things that you then get to offer back to God as an offering. Wouldn't that be exciting? Some of those kind of rewards. That would be great, wouldn't it? Jesus said, don't, don't worry about that here. When you suffer for my sake and they talk bad about you and they make up stuff and they say ugly things. So don't worry about that. Great is your reward in heaven. God's going to take care of that. It'll come out in the wash and all will be well. Don't be shocked by trials. In, uh, in first, first Peter chapter 4, verses, verse number 13, it says, But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering." I don't think most of us have really had to suffer much. Really, honestly. Uh, again, uh, Brother Robinson was talking about it last night. Go back and read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read some of those stories. Uh, even of people in recent times who have had to die for their faith and be tortured for their faith. You do understand there are places in the world today where if you walk down the street with your Bible in your hand, they could take you out and stone you to death and burn you in a heap and then the whole town would celebrate. You understand that? That's happening in our world today. That kind of foolishness, your, your head cut off, your family destroyed. There are people who are suffering for Christ's sake. And they're, they're partaking a little bit in Christ's sufferings. And you know what? As cold and calloused as it sounds, their reward is not here. It's not here. We won't even know the names of most of those people. But God knows everyone. And someday, someday when we get to heaven and you're waiting to get your reward because you had five years in Sunday school with perfect attendance. Remember when they used to have the little pins? Now, I'm old now. I grew up a long time ago. We had little pins. And you'd get a little pin, perfect attendance, and it just keeps growing. I mean, it was exciting. A little depressing when you looked at it. <laughs> and you think, you know, you're going to be at the head of the line because you, you, know, you were in Sunday school without missing for five years in a row. And then somebody who lost their head because they told somebody about Jesus. You're going to find out who's really at the front of the line and what kind of rewards there are. And we're going to feel pretty silly on that day, I think. Pretty silly. You can rejoice when you suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. And you can rejoice in the surety of hope in Romans chapter 5. Turn there if you would. Romans chapter 5. It's a wonderful passage. Just completely full of, of wonderful, wonderful truth. 
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we could spend all day right there in verse number one. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Hmm. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now that's what it said over in James chapter 1, wasn't it? You can rejoice when temptations come because the trying of your faith worketh patience. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. You can rejoice in the surety of hope. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's not wishful thinking. Bible hope is not wishful thinking. Bible hope is solid and steady and just as sure as if it had already occurred. The only thing that makes it hope instead of present fact is that it hasn't occurred yet. But Bible hope is solid. You can, you can anchor your life in Bible hope. And notice what it says here in the passage we just read. Tribulation worketh patience. We already know that. Verse 4, and patience experience. You see, patience leads somewhere. Tribulation comes, temptations come, problems come, difficulties come. And that teaches us patience. Not only patience with our circumstances, but can we be honest? Patience with God. Because we know that God could change the circumstances just like that at any moment if he chose. And yet quite often he allows us to go through hard circumstances and we need to learn to be patient with him. Tribulation work of patience and patience experience. What does that mean? Well, when I finally made it through this, this tribulation, through this, this temptation, through this trial, and now I've, I've learned patience, now what I have is experience. In other words, I can look back and say, look what God did. Look what God can do. And I can go to somebody else who's facing some kind of trial, some kind of tribulation, and say, let me tell you my experience. My experience is that God taught me something through all of this, and I grew in my walk with him, and now I have this experience. I can look back there. And experience, hope. That's not looking behind. That's looking ahead. That's looking ahead and saying, now I know what God did over here when I was in the middle of this mess and he taught me patience and he gave me this wonderful experience so that I can tell you what God did. But that also helps me to look ahead and not be concerned about what's coming tomorrow. Because now I have not only this patience and this experience, but I have this hope and this hope maketh not ashamed and I can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I know that if God was in control yesterday and he solved that, tomorrow's not a problem. Tomorrow's not a problem. You remember when, re when Jesus rebuked the disciples several times? He would say to them, O ye of little faith. Remember when he calmed the storm? I mean, he just gotten done doing miraculous things. A storm comes up. They think they're going to die, and they've forgotten what he just did. And they did that over and over and over. And he'd have to say, hold it, guys. Don't you understand? I'm the same one that did that yesterday. And if I can do that yesterday, I can fix this today. And by the way, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. And some of that never sunk in really till after the resurrection. But finally it did, amen? And then they could look ahead. That's how they ended up going to martyrs' deaths and not turning their back on the Savior. Because now they not only had patience and experience, now they had hope. 
And God says, I can have that too. Amen. I can have that too. You can have the surety of hope and you can rejoice in it. And then finally, you can rejoice in the sovereignty of God. Don't get scared. Don't, don't be afraid. I know there are people who use that phrase and what they mean is something that is not biblical, something that's twisted and perverse. But I'm glad to tell you this morning, our God, the God of heaven, Jehovah God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ is a sovereign God. I don't mean in the warped Calvinistic sense. Calvinists believe in a small God. They'll tell you they believe in a, in a big God who controls everything and predetermines everything. What that really means is they believe in a God that's in a box that can't get out of it. That's what they mean. The God of the Bible is so much bigger than that that he can allow you free will, I mean free will, and still accomplish his purposes. That's a much bigger God than that little Calvinistic God locked in that box. A much bigger God because he can allow you choices and free will and still accomplish his purpose in this world and in your life and he will. Look if you would to Luke chapter 1. It's already been mentioned once. Luke chapter 1 verse number 46. Mary has found out that she's going to give birth to the son of God. Look what it says in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And it was already mentioned, she, Mary knew she was a sinner who needed a Savior. And she talks about it right here. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. You know what Mary's doing right here? Can I just, can I paraphrase it for you without doing any, any disservice to scripture? Mary is looking up to heaven and going, wow. Yeah. It's almost like she's saying, God, do you, you know who I am? Wow. I'm just, I'm just nobody from no place and wow. Look at this. I get to be used to do this amazing thing that nobody else will ever get to be used to do. And she's saying God has regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. I'm just a handmaid. I'm nobody. And look what God has done. And God used that girl to bring his son into this world and provide redemption for you and for me and for all men. What a wonderful thing. Now, that's, that's a sovereign God that does that kind of thing, that could pick somebody like that and use them to do that job. Can I tell you, God has something for you to do too? Well, God could never use me for any, that, that's what Mary said. So the lowest state of his handmaid, God's regarded the lowest state of his handmaid. I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing. Listen, if, you, if you're a nobody and a nothing, you are in prime territory to be used by God to do great stuff. If you're somebody and you're pretty special, you're probably never going to do anything for God. But if you're a nothing and a nobody, God, that's what God's looking for. And he can take a person like that and accomplish the greatest of purposes. It's a good reason to rejoice. So I just don't know if God's in control in my circumstance. What a ludicrous thing to say. Of course he is. He already knows the beginning from the end. And he knows exactly what to do in your circumstance. You'll never find the God of heaven wringing his hands. Oh, I, I had no idea that was going to happen. 
oh no 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 he's bigger than that amen he already knows and he's already got it under control what a wonderful god that is much reason to rejoice as a matter of fact the only reason i can think of that you would not be able to rejoice is if you don't know jesus christ to save you if your name's not written in heaven if you don't have that hope if you don't know that god is in control then can i just say not only should you not rejoice you should be afraid you should be very afraid because if you leave this life without Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it doesn't matter how good you were, how many times you showed up in church, how many verses you memorized, according to the Word of God, I'm not making this up, but there's no nice way to say it, you'll die and spend an eternity in a place called hell. And that's not for a short period of time, that's for all eternity. You need to know for sure that your sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. You need to know for sure that your name's written in heaven. You need to know for sure that you're going to be with him one day. Not just think so. Not just wish it were so. But know it for sure. And the only way to do that is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. And once you've done that, you have much reason to rejoice. And then when you find right there in the book of Philippians over and over and over again, rejoice, 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 rejoice in the Lord, rejoice evermore, rejoice. You can say, yeah, I can do that. I can do that because I know Jesus Christ as Savior. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here this morning. Thank you for the truth of your word. God, thank you that we can rejoice no matter what circumstances come in our life because our rejoicing is not a function of where we are and what's happening. Our rejoicing is because we know for sure we are born-again, blood-bought children of God, saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Lord, I don't know everybody in this room today. It could be that there's somebody standing here right now who really doesn't have much reason to rejoice in this life. Well, they might have a nice family, they might have a good job, they might have a little money in the bank, but all that's going to be gone, and it's going to be gone soon. They're wondering today, where am I going to spend eternity? What's going to happen when I die? Lord, if there's somebody like that, I pray they'd get saved today before it's too late. For each and every saved person in this room, God, help us not to get so bogged down in the garbage of this world that we forget we have much to rejoice over. We'll just thank you for all that you do in our midst today. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking around this morning. I just want to ask you a question before we go. How many of you would say, I know for sure there was a day I realized I was a sinner. I trusted Christ as Savior. I know my sins are washed away. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. If that's you, would you just stick your hand up in testimony? Just stick it up, wave it at me. You can put it back down. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Maybe this morning, if you were going to be honest, you'd have to say, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there was ever a day like that in my life. I, I don't know if my sins are washed away or not. And I really don't know what's going to happen when I die. 
but I'm concerned about it. Would you please pray for me? If that's you, would you just stick your hand up waving at me? I'm looking. I'll pray for you. I promise I will. I will not come and get you and I won't embarrass you. That's not what we're here for. But I'll pray for you today. You say, please pray for me. I don't know if my sins are forgiven. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Please pray for me. Is there somebody like that today? I'm looking. Just wave it at me. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Is there anybody else? Heavenly Father, you've seen the hands raised here this morning. God, you see each and every heart. You know every thought and every mind. Lord, there's at least one, maybe more, standing here today, unsure of their relationship with you, unsure where they're going to spend eternity. God, I pray even now that you would give them the courage to not leave today until they settle that question. We'll be careful to give you all the honor and glory for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, we're going to have an invitation. All that means is you're acted to invite on what you've heard. And if you're here today and you've not trusted Christ as Savior yet, you need to be saved. As soon as we start, if you just come down here, we'll have, if you're a man, we'll have a man take the Bible and just sit with you for a couple of minutes, show you how you can know for sure you're saved. If you're a lady, we'll have a lady take the Bible, sit with you for a couple of minutes and show you how you can know for sure your sins are washed away. There'll never be an easier time or better time to deal with it than this morning. Child of God, maybe you need to come pray for somebody or ask God to forgive you for not rejoicing in all the wonderful things he's done for you. But as soon as our brother begins to sing this invitation song, would you just step out and come this morning? If you need to be saved, we'd love to take the Bible, show you how to be saved. And this is your opportunity. 680. God never moves without purpose or plan when trying a servant and molding a man. Give thanks to the Lord, though your testing takes long in darkness. It's your turn. It's your time. Mistake. So there are folks here, you need to come join them. Now is your opportunity. Don't wait. Don't put it off. I shall come forth as gold. Come on, this is your opportunity to come. We're going to have another verse. Don't waste it. I could not see through the shadows ahead. So I looked at the cross of my Savior instead. I bowed to the will of the Master that day. Then peace came and tears fled.
with the end of each path that I take. For when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. Now I can see You know, a simple concept, but it is so true. There's so many things vying for our attention. If we could just keep our eyes on the Lord, amen? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If we could do that, we'd be rejoicing in the Lord. Uh, he mentioned the book of Philippians, four short chapters written from a prison cell, but it's the book of joy. How does that happen? Because God's joy and peace transcend circumstances. And uh, it's absolutely true. If we just continue to wallow in circumstances and keep our attention there, we'll never have joy and peace. We've got to get our focus above the fray on the Lord. What a simple truth. But no matter how long we've been saved, it's something we have to continually be reminded of because of all of those things vying for our attention. I'm rejoicing right now. Man comes forward. He's being dealt with his soul. And you think of this today as we walk away from here. You be praying, okay? Because I don't know who and what all the circumstances are. I just know he's with somebody that knows what they're doing and can show them how to be saved. But... If God saves this man this morning, that is worth everything in this world. Jesus said a man's soul is worth more than the sum total of all the wealth of the world. Isn't that something? You talk, you talk about being where the action is. This is where the action is, folks. It's not on Wall Street. It's not necessarily in the capitals of any country in this world. It's where somebody is coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that gets heaven's attention. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. So let's close in a word of prayer. Let's come back tonight rejoicing in what God has done and what God is doing in our lives. Father, 
We thank you for this word this morning. We thank you for the simplicity of it, and we thank you for how profound it is. And we thank you most of all that all of it can be ours because of the great sacrifice made on the cross for our sins, that death, that burial, and that resurrection on our behalf. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you did for us and who you are and how you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Father, we thank you for these young people that want to join the church this morning. Father, cause them to rejoice and serve effectively and find their place in this body, Lord, to be used to your glory and honor. Father, we pray for this one that's being dealt with his soul even right now as we speak. What a blessing. And Father, we just pray that, that he would come to an understanding of your grace and how, Lord, all you want to do all you want to do is take his sins and give him your righteousness. Father, we thank you for imputed righteousness this morning. For by it, Lord, any of us can claim salvation. Father, we pray for anybody else here today or maybe looking in live stream, Lord, that doesn't know Christ. And Lord, they can't seem to find their way to you yet, Lord. We pray, Father, you'd continue to deal with them. May the Spirit of God continue to convince them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And, Lord, we pray that Christ would be revealed to them before they take their last breath on this earth. Thank you, Lord, for all that we've been able to experience this morning in the worship of your wonderful and holy name. And we pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.